0: My name's Emil Banks. I was with the 82nd Airborne, 1st Battalion, 1st Brigade, Charlie Company. And then I did a little time with the 25th Infantry. I served in Vietnam, but I want to tell you is the importance of having a good chaplain with you. When you're 18 years old and you did your first firefight, and you come back, you find out very quickly you're not in Kansas anymore. You need a good priest that can talk to you because you're scared. Anybody says they weren't scared after a firefight ain't telling the truth. You're scared. You're confused. Things that you learned as a child, you find out that don't count no more. I know a good chaplain helped me along the way. So it's an important program to support. Very important.
1: If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to Candid Catholic Convos. I'm so excited to be with you here today to share our brand new program with you. But first... Let me introduce myself. My name is Rachel Troche, and I'm the multimedia producer for the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. I was born and raised in the Catholic faith. I'm an Army National Guard wife and a mom to three little boys, two of whom attend Catholic school. My faith has been challenged several times over the course of my life, and even though I attended Catholic school from kindergarten to eighth grade, there's still a lot I'm learning. Between COVID and other life-changing events these last few years have brought us, we here at the Diocese of Harrisburg are viewing these challenges as opportunities to not only grow in our faith and love with God, but also to reach you, our listener, wherever you are in your faith journey. Maybe you've taken some time away from the church. Maybe you have doubts or questions. Or maybe you've been here all along and are looking for a new way to connect. Whatever your reason, I'm happy you're here, and I'm excited to go on this journey with you. Today, we are talking about Veterans Day. Originally known as Armistice Day, it signaled the end of World War I on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month in 1918. It wasn't until 1954 that President Eisenhower officially changed the name from Armistice Day to Veterans Day. This day commemorates veterans of all wars, foreign and domestic. And if you're a numbers nerd like me, I have some really fascinating statistics for you. 18.2 million living veterans served during at least one war as of 2018. 2 million served during the Korean War. 7 million served during the Vietnam War. 3 million have served in support of the War on Terrorism. Of the 16 million Americans who served during World War II, roughly 325,000 were still alive as of 2020. 9% of all veterans are women. Veterans are men, women, parents, children, grandparents, friends, neighbors, and co-workers of all shapes, colors, sizes, and backgrounds. Today, we have the privilege of speaking with Father John Bateman, a priest and veteran himself, about the intersection of our faith and the military and how the two can coexist. We'll also be sharing some practical ways you and your family can observe this special day of remembrance. Take a listen.
0: My name is Father John Bateman. I'm a priest of the Diocese of Harrisburg right now. I'm the pastor at St. Patrick's Parish in York. But on top of all the things I do in the diocese and some jobs here at the diocese as well, I serve in the Air National Guard, which has been a great joy and a real privilege for me to have the opportunity to do that. I'm in the Guard about 11 years, and uh, it's just been a great experience.
1: Wonderful. I'm so happy to actually meet you as an Army spouse. Um, we have that connection.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So tell me a little bit about what your journey to becoming a chaplain was. Did you start in that MOS or in that job field in the in the military?
0: Uh, I did not. Uh, when I was graduating from high school, you know, as, um, as you graduate and you look to what you want to do in the future, I applied for the Air Force Scholarship for ROTC up at Penn State University. And Uh, got pretty far, went up for the interview and did everything, but somehow didn't make the cut. And I often say, you know, when you're young and dumb, instead of pursuing something you want, you're like, well, I'll move on to the next thing. But of course, God had other plans. So God put it all together the way it was supposed to be. So uh, military had always been the back of my mind. Uh, My paternal grandfather I never met, but he served in World War II in the Navy. And so there was some family history of military service In fact, we had at our home, and we always put it up for holidays, my grandfather's flag from his casket, which only had 48 stars on it at the time. Uh, But we always put that up. And so there was always this connection to military and veterans for me, Um, always in my family background. And so I wanted in some way to serve, and so tried for the ROTC. As they said, it didn't work. So life happens. I discern this call to priesthood. I, after college, go to seminary, am ordained, and Even through that, at the time, it was Bishop Tuttillo, and I would once in a while ask him, Bishop, would you ever think of letting one of your guys go to be military chaplains? And at the time, we really did not have the seminarians that we needed, uh, so thus the priests that we needed. And so Bishop was always very concerned about having enough priests in the diocese. Fast forward a few years, and Bishop McFadden is now the bishop. And at one of the USCCB meetings, Archbishop Brolio had given an impassioned plea to all the bishops. Please, these are your people. Help me to minister to them by giving me one of your priests. And so Bishop McFadden came back and put a letter out to all the priests of the diocese that said, Hey, there's a wing, an Air Force wing in my diocese, the 193rd, which is stationed out of Harrisburg Airport. And it needs a Catholic priest. And I want to provide the priest for that. So anybody who's interested, you let me know. So, of course, I wrote right away, uh, gave the story about having tried ROTC out of high school, and that didn't work, and it had always been in my family and in my mind, and eventually he called me up and he said, you know, I'd like, of all the people, I'd like you to go do it. So, at age 44, probably, I guess it was about 16 years a priest and 44 years old, off I go to boot camp, Uh, just like everybody, up at four in the morning and marching and doing all the things and getting yelled at and all of it, learning how to to do everything. Of course, uh, military chaplains are not permitted weapons, so that's one thing we did not do. But I recall that was tough. That was a tough uh, experience for me. I'd gotten in shape uh, over getting ready, but I remember halfway through, about halfway through, it was particularly difficult because it's not only the marching and all those things, but you're learning military history and military maneuvers and military strategy and all these kinds of things you need as an officer. So I remember about halfway through sitting down on my bed and just crying and thinking, what am I doing here? I have a perfectly good parish at home. Why am I here? And then I realized, no, wait, they just want to see where you break. And I broke. Okay. Get it back together and move on. Uh, so I did. That. I was able to get that back together. But really, if you, in, in my case, keeping in front of me why I joined the military to serve our men and women, to be a priest for them. Uh, That was really the greatest motivation and the reason why I wanted to continue and did and uh, was commissioned, went to chaplain school, and now it's been nearly 11 years.
1: That's amazing. And that was going to be one of my questions was, did they make you go through all the rigorous boot camp activities that everybody else does? So that's incredible to hear. Yes. So how do you balance conducting worship and helping those in the military of other faiths? Because obviously it's a whole group of people from all different backgrounds and all different faiths. And how do you how do you balance that?
0: Right. It's a great question. And I remember in chaplain school, in addition to basic training, you also have to go to chaplain school. Much like anybody goes to a school for whatever job they're going to do, we as chaplains have to go to do that. And one of the great catchphrases was for us as priests— you're a priest to your people, but you are a chaplain to all. And so it's a great way to really remember that, that when we're at mass, when I'm talking to a Catholic, when I'm doing the sacraments, I'm a priest, just like as I would be in a parish. And I I preach the truth that we believe as Catholics and do all those things. And that's what I'm paid to do by the military, is to be a Catholic priest for our Catholic service members. But then when you're dealing with anyone else, you have to meet them where they are. And so one of the the good examples I can think of is uh, not long into my career, I remember there was someone who had lost a a grandparent, I think, and uh, they asked to see the chaplain, and so I went to talk to them and we talked a little bit, and then I always in the course of a conversation, asked, "Can you tell me just your faith background so I have some sense of how to help?" and I remember she said well i'm a I'm a Wiccan, okay." You have to explain to me a little bit your then understanding of what happens in death and what the afterlife is like. So once she explained that a little bit, I was able to help her through a grieving process. So uh, certainly it's not something that we as Catholics believe, uh, but nonetheless, I'm there to minister to everyone in their need, whatever that is. Uh, During a recent deployment, we had uh, some uh, Norse heathens that wanted to do a service And so the other chaplain and I, we worked together and we got everything they needed, permission to have a fire and permission to have alcohol and throw into the fire and do everything that they wanted to do. And as the other chaplain and I talked about it, we're like, we both don't believe this personally, but if we as Christian chaplains are able to help them to practice their faith, then who knows what door that might open at some point. And so that's really the sense in which working with everyone, meeting them where they are, whatever's going on, understanding a little bit their frame of world reference and spiritual understanding, so that you can help them through whatever difficulties there are. Another great piece of that for me has been working with people of other faiths. I grew up very ecumenical because of my dad having been a musician and playing in different churches. So I grew up with that understanding. But for every place that I've been, every deployment, every home station, yes, we're all Christian we're all chaplains of different faiths and in one place i had a muslim in one place i had a a jewish chaplain so i've had just about everything but we realized we're all here for the same purpose and it's to help these men and women through difficult times to help them to have a grounding in life to do the difficult things that they need to do
1: that's a really powerful way of looking at that I was looking at some of the numbers because I'm a little bit of a numbers nerd. And as you know, you know, when a soldier goes on deployment, you know, the war ends physically, but they sometimes take it home. Mm -hmm. Um, So some of the numbers that I saw were, you know, 18 percent of soldiers deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan returned with PTSD and depression symptoms, while 31 percent have mental health conditions. And Mm -hmm. much of that goes unreported Mm -hmm. just because of the stigma. Yes. So what has your experience been with ministering to those who have had traumatic military experiences, you know, having to kill, having seen death, maybe possibly being injured?
0: Mm-hmm. And it's one of the great things for us as chaplains because chaplains are the only ones that have 100% confidentiality, much like our sacrament of confession. We will never tell anyone what they talked about unless they give us that permission, which is unlike the sacrament of confession. But so in that the context of what you're saying, we're the ones that they can come to and not worry about that stigma that they went for help because we can allow them to just talk and to deal with the things they need to to deal with and, and help them through it and, again, ground them in, in wherever they are in their worldview and, and spiritual understanding and to just walk with them. As Pope Francis so often says, to journey with people uh, wherever they are and, and to walk with them on that journey is really an amazing thing. And sometimes it opens the door so that we can then with some comfort level and some time talking, maybe move them to that next level where they can get to the DPH, we call it the public health, the um, mental health people to really help them in a more serious way, a more scientific or uh, health way with some of the issues. But uh, there are lots of people who have come back with great moral injuries, is what we call it. Um, so, to how to help people to deal with those and ground, so much of it is rooted in resiliency. That, yes, we deal with dramatic things, we encounter dramatic things, we see terrible things, but where is your grounding so that you can be resilient to be able to deal with those things and deal with them appropriately, talking, not holding it in, getting the help that we need? And as chaplains, that's really what we help our people to do.
1: That's amazing. You've mentioned that you've been on a few deployments. Yes. How has your faith strengthened and sustained you during those deployments and throughout your career? Hmm.
0: My most recent deployment was to the United Arab Emirates. And I left the United States in October of 2019 for six months, which is what typical Air Force deployments are. Unlike the Army, they go practically forever. So we go for six months. The plan was to come home just after Easter in April. But if you remember what started happening in early 2020, everything started shutting down. And so the base shut down and travel shut down. And so we were literally stranded there for two additional months. So to the root of your question, how does my faith sustain me through a deployment? I was there at a wonderful time, Christmas and Lent and Easter. So to be a priest for those who are away from home, away from family, away from everything comfortable, away from everything normal, And to be the priest to minister to them and celebrate the sacraments with them was an awesome, awesome gift, really. But then as things shut down, it got more difficult. And for me personally, because I would also go to another place in the country where there was an army camp that didn't have a priest, and I would minister to them. Part of what we do, certainly in the military, is making those relationships with the local nationals. So I would go to the cathedral in Abu Dhabi, and celebrate Mass there and meet with the priests that were there. So I had the opportunity to see a priest, just like everyone else, until the shutdown. And so that it became hard for me because now I am isolated. I mean, I have all these people around, but I'm isolated. I don't have another priest with whom I can go to confession, to whom I can go for uh, the sacraments. And so that became really hard. But the blessing of it all was that it was all through Lent. And so it really enabled me to, in my own spiritual life, recognize, you know, that the loneliness, the suffering, the struggles, Jesus in the desert, you know, all those kinds of things, the temptations. And then after Easter, when finally things started to open up, uh, a priest was passing through on his way somewhere else. And I heard there's a priest over in the camp. Whoa, whoa, I ran over so I could get to confession and I could meet with him and talk with him. So you put things in the context, where you are, what's happening. It's why, uh, for me in my life as a priest completely, we called it in seminary theological reflection. You have to take what's going on and take it to your prayer and make it all part of who you are. Because if you keep things separated and isolated, you fracture. But taking it all to prayer, taking it all to the cross, realizing that I'm carrying a cross with Christ it, it bears so much fruit.
1: I really love what you said about this, comparing this to being in the desert, because it, for many people, it has been, I mean, mm-hmm. I was, my husband was on deployment while all of this was happening. And I was alone at home with three children saying, what do I do? Yeah. And to hear you put it in that perspective, really just yeah. turned on a light bulb of, yeah. you know, this is about sacrifice and we can do anything yeah. through Christ.
0: And we were so conscious of that being deployed at that time that, People had made plans, I'll be gone six months, and then I'll be home, and we'll pick up. Well, suddenly, everything's frozen. And not only is everything frozen, but everything at home is different. You know, kids now are out of school, jobs are stopped, lockdowns, all these things. So it was really hard for those who were deployed and us trying to minister to them to keep them connected at home. And how, how can we help you at home, get connected with their units to make sure that everybody's okay?
1: Wow. So tell me a little bit about your experience returning to the church outside of the military. What have you noticed with other service members?
0: I think for for me as an Air Force chaplain in particular, it's a little bit different because we are not necessarily embedded with the unit out on the front line as Army chaplains would be um, or Marine chaplains or Navy chaplains. We are back at home base pretty much safe and sound. So we are more dealing with people as they come back. So it's not the traumatic things that we experience that many particularly Marine or or Navy or Army chaplains would. So coming right back in was not for me very difficult. Um, You just jump right back in. And and I had been out of parish ministry at that point for five years. So for me, coming back to a parish was like where my heart is, (laughs) which which I got to experience certainly on deployment and being the, the priest for the people at the base. But For me, it was just a great jump right back into parish life. It wasn't, for me, difficult.
1: It was truly like coming home.
0: Exactly. (laughs) It was a real homecoming, not just to see family and friends again, but to get back into parish life.
1: That's wonderful. Why do you think ministering to veterans is important?
0: I think along the things that you were saying, they've been through so much. They understand what sacrifice is because they've experienced it personally because they've experienced it with their family, and perhaps because they've experienced with those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. Um, so they understand what that's about. And so to to be present to them, to recognize the sacrifice that they've made, um, and that many of them continue to make, is, I think, really important. One of, When people, and, and we all do it, when you see someone in military, you say, thank you for your service. And I, for a long time, pondered How do I respond to that? You know, what's the answer? And your husband probably has struggled with the same answer. And I've come to decide that the right answer is, it's my honor. Because it really is. It's my honor to serve. And I think in remembering our veterans and reaching out to them, we recognize and honor them for the service that they've given willingly. You know, we have a volunteer military here in our country. And so just to recognize the sacrifice that they've made the sacrifice that their families have made um, is just so important.
1: How can we, as Catholics and as Christians, practically observe Veterans Day? Do you have any suggestions for things we can? I mean, physically, we're limited because we're still in the middle of a pandemic, but um, what other things would you suggest?
0: Certainly, first and foremost is prayer, right? Always prayer to pray for our military members who are uh, deployed, for those who are struggling with PTSD or with mental health issues um, as a result of things they've experienced. So certainly that prayer, first and foremost. But the things that like, for example, on deployment that were so helpful were people at home randomly sending us things (laughs) that that was great that we could. Give to the troops who are away. Hey, look, these people sent us snacks. Or um, I had written back and said, hey, Christmas is coming. Could you send us Christmas cards? Because we can't get them here. And so that people could come and get cards to send back home. Just It's those little simple things that we kind of take for granted that we can provide to them. So if you have a way to connect perhaps with a wing or someone that's deployed, you know someone's deployed – to find out what they need. In fact, our school is doing that right now. Where I was deployed, I know someone that just went there. And so I said to him, let me know what you need and our school kids will send it. And he's like, that's awesome. I love when we can connect like that. So that's a way. If we don't know those, there are some wonderful organizations that could really do help reach out to our veterans. Uh, The Pennsylvania Veterans, uh, Disabled Veterans Organization is wonderful. They do so much good work. And I know at our wing we have what we call um, the 190 Friends of the 193rd, and it's a benevolent society, so that uh, they are there to help our members who are in whatever kind of need. Sometimes, even though we're military and employed, uh, there are some financial struggles, and so to provide perhaps financially what they need to provide kids. Uh, games for the kids at christmas to provide things for families while they're deployed to check on our people while they're deployed Um, so that's another way and you could whatever local military organization just call them up ask about family readiness and they'd be able to help you connect to with whatever organization provides support to their service members
1: those are fantastic ideas i completely forgot that christmas is right around the corner
0: it is and how
1: much it would make somebody smile just to get a christmas card it's okay. little things like that with we don't, but we take for granted. Yeah. this was extremely helpful and I think that um, our listeners are really gonna take away some great things that they can do this Veterans Day and maybe have um, some more appreciation for the veterans in their lives or that they stumble across on every day.
0: Yeah it's been a tremendous honor for me and a great blessing to serve. Um, so as we celebrate Veterans Day, make sure you thank a veteran out there.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org dac and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.
0: Studies show that people who pray regularly and practice their faith are healthier and happier. I'm Bishop Ronald Gaynor. I want to invite you to experience a positive difference in your life by visiting your Catholic parish and encountering Jesus through the sacraments. Do it for your family, do it for yourself, and come home. Remember that God's mercy is and always will be there for you, no matter what your situation. Visit catholicscomehome.org to find a parish near you. I'm pregnant. I can't focus. What am I going to do with my baby? My kids are hungry. I can't work. I'm scared. I can't go home. Can somebody Can somebody help me? In desperate times, there's a place for hope. Catholic Charities. We help families, children, and those in crisis throughout Central Pennsylvania, regardless of your faith. Providing help. Creating hope. Catholic Charities. This program is made possible locally by donations to the Catholic Communication Campaign and the Diocese of Harrisburg. Visit us on the web at hbgdiocese.org.